all right so damn man does this is this thing on like do i do i sound different does it does it feel different i swear to y'all it feels like it has been 17 months of this quarantine shit and i feel like for 17 months i haven't done any podcast and any writing anything whatsoever I swear to God, man, it's one of the worst feelings in the world. It's like, it's kind of like being celibate for like a couple years. I don't know. Never been celibate that long. Uh, but it's kind of like being celibate and then getting back into the groove of, you know, getting it in and shit like that. It's like, do I still remember how to do this? Uh, is, is, is the performance going to be the same? Like, y'all get the analogy I'm saying. I don't know. Maybe it was a bad analogy, but it is Happy Friday. It's also Freaky Friday. So I feel like it's, it's fitting. But honestly man i miss you guys man i miss getting um i miss getting content out there to everybody and also while i'm saying this let me say that i hope everybody is taking proper precautions where need be and staying safe staying healthy all that good shit out here while the world is trying to not fall apart put itself back together i don't know what the fuck the world is doing right now but i know we still got movies we still got movies everything's getting pushed back but that's the joy of um just movies existing on their own you know we can talk about whatever we want whether they're old movies whether they're new movies whether they're um whether we're theorizing about shit that could have been or would have been or should have been in other movie franchises or whatever uh you know that's the joy of of cinema man you can you can make it as special as you want it to be and you can make content out of anything basically as far as movies go even the bad ones um, if you don't know what I mean, just check out the shit show edition commentary and you will see that, you know, I try to stay afloat in shit's Creek while talking about those terrible, terrible ass movies. But, um, on a lighter side of things, as far as, um, horror movies go, as far as our slashers go, um, even though things are getting pushed back, Candyman, unfortunately won't be coming out until, uh, September now is supposed to come out in June. Halloween Kills, they're still kind of keeping that under wraps, but it is supposed to drop in October. Uh, Jason Blum was on Twitter or whatever the hell he was on and said that, you know, the trailer looks good. They were tweaking it, but it's dropping soon is the uh, the statement he said. So, I mean, I guess that's good news. And we just found out Halloween Ends is going toe-to-toe with the Batman in 2021, which I'm curious to see how that pans out. You know, we've had some some Leatherface news of a direct sequel coming. We've had some news of a new Scream. We don't know whether it's going to be a part five or whether it's going to be a complete reboot. Freddy's trying to make his way back into the game. Jason is, you know, Jason's, he, he's still, um, he's still going through a custody battle right now with his, with his, uh, his cinematic parents. They can't get their shit together and come on an agreement. So who knows what's going to happen with that. But I think it's safe to say, man, that the, you know, our slasher, favorites um even the new slashers that are coming out making a name for themselves you know to collect the collected which is the sequel to the collection which was a sequel to the collector that's the midnight man he's the slasher you know victor crowley we got new slashers and old slashers but safe to say overall the slasher genre is trying to come back strong man and i can see it and even if people don't notice it trust and believe that they are definitely trying to creep their way back into like mainstream horror cinema and that's kind of what i want to talk about here is like not just mainstream slashers per se but um commercializing our slashers now if nobody understands what i mean by commercializing our slashers i mean 
you know, when I think of commercializing slashers, I think of uh, merchandising, you know, uh, maybe TV properties or something like that, cartoon characters, you know, spoofs and stuff like that. And I want to talk about when does it hurt our beloved slashers the most when it comes to this uh, commercialization. And this is not anything that's brand new. Um, I, I actually want to talk about it because I do personally have a problem with this happening to my slashers because for me personally, I like my slashers to be scary. I don't jump into a slasher movie unless I've already seen it a hundred times or the trailer lets me know exactly what it is. I don't jump into slasher movies expecting for them to be yeah, fun in a sense, but I don't want to jump. I don't want to leave the movie experience telling myself like, yo, that was a lot of fun, man. That part was cool. I want to be scared. I kind of want to be disturbed, not too, too disturbed, but if you can do that, that is a, um, that is no easy feat. So you win my heart over if you disturb me, not on some, you know, human centipede type of stuff, but if it's, if something's like creepily disturbing, that's fine. But, um, those are things I want to come out of a, a movie experience or a theater experience, uh, talking about. I don't want to talk about how much of a blast it was, you know, as far as the movie overall and the slasher overall. And I feel like, I feel like when we commercialize these slashers, man, they lose a lot of their spunk. They lose a lot of their grit. They lose a lot of their creep factor, man. And I'm just going to talk about maybe five or six slashers, the big guys. I will, um, Later on, as the episode goes on, I will jump into the ones that didn't make the cut, but, you know, give my quick, brief POV on whether they were commercialized or not. But um, I kind of started from the beginning, you know, the 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 granddaddy, as they call it, of the slasher uh, bunch, which was Norman Bates, who was in Psycho. Now, Norman, good old Norman, Mr. Bates here, he's had four films psycho i think which came out in 1960 psycho 2 psycho 3 and psycho 4 the beginning which i have not seen i heard from from what i heard that movie is a prequel but i don't know if there's a lot of like like recycled footage from the original movie i, I think there's a younger guy playing norman bates and he's kind of like retelling his you know his story his upbringing with him and and, and mother but uh to say the least, uh, Norman Bates in Psycho, he, he started off terrifying. You know, the movie is, it is a very slow burn of a film, but, you know, the more and more I watch it, the more I can appreciate it. It's, it's filmmaking 101, man. It's classic Hitchcock shit. But uh, overall, he did start off terrifying, man. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he is, I'm not going to say he's posing as this, you know, this motel uh, innkeeper type of guy. He's not posing. That's what he does. But he is also posing as his mother you know he's posing as his mother murdering people that is that is a terrifying thing be before it became you know mainstream because psycho has been ripped off uh more than enough times and i don't think they've ever really done it proper justice but you know that's neither here nor there but like i said he started off terrifying now what he became on the other hand was while you know that Norman Bates could still dress up like his dead mother and stab you to death in the, I almost said the Overlook Hotel. Goddamn. It's a whole nother movie entirely. Um, the Bates Motel. While that can happen, um, th they made Norman Bates somewhat 
more sympathetic you know it, it was the first movie you really can't sympathize with him he's got a lot of mental issues his mother you know he was he had his mother's corpse in the basement with the wig still on it and all that shit i can't sympathize with that because it's like you're still a murderer but then he gets released in the second movie and he's you know meg tilly who I, i'm almost certain is jennifer tilly's uh younger sister or an older sister she talks just like her looks like her but um in the second movie he's kind of sympathetic and he, you know she's trying to break through to him and find out what the what the root of his issues are you know i don't like that they they make you sympathize with norman bates this guy is a murderer this guy is a murderer and i don't want to sympathize with a cross-dressing serial killer who just you know kills anybody that checks into this motel you know people need a place to stay sometimes man they really do they really need a place to stay. You want to murder them up. So the sympathetic aspect, I, I I did not like. Like I said, I have not seen the fourth movie. I have not seen the TV show. But um, it, it, it makes him more humane. And I don't know if that works in its favor or not. Because I know a lot of people think it's scary. Like, oh, my God, this guy's a regular person. This could really happen. Yeah, I get it. But um, he is a monster. He's a serial killer at the end of the day. So I don't want to sympathize and be like, oh, well, you know, his mom used to whoop his ass and, you know, make him sit in timeout for seven years at a time. So I can understand why he's killed. No, I don't want to do that. But what what we ended up with, as far as Norman Bates, um, I, I want to say he ended up okay, because I haven't heard particularly bad things about Psycho 4, but I heard it just doesn't even hold a candle to the third one. And for me, the third one doesn't hold a candle to the second one, which shouldn't have even been made in the first place. But it was way better than it should have been. Uh, the first one's a classic. But I think Norman Bates ultimately ended up OK, but just not as creepy, um, not as off putting. He was just so much more humane, like I said. But in the end, was the character of Norman Bates from Psycho, was he commercialized? And I say no. I say no, because there there is no way you can commercialize like, you know, advertise on TV, the toys and, you know, a, a cartoon or something like that. Something main, super mainstream for adults to possibly put their kids onto at some point in their lives. Um, you are not doing this with a cross, a man that's dressed up like his dead mother murdering people with butcher knives and shovels and shit like that you are not <laughs> you are not commercializing norman bates man i don't see it happening even with a tv show i just i i don't think that that was ever the case which is a good thing because i don't know maybe one day they'll remake the remake because i know a lot of people don't like the uh gus van sant i'm pretty sure that's the director's name i'm sorry if i got that wrong but gus van sant directed a, a remake of psycho in 1998 1999 if i'm not mistaken i want to say 98 because i think that was around the time uh halloween h2o bride of chucky shit like that was released i want to say 98 the uh remake came out but it, it wasn't that good it was basically shot for shot but i don't know maybe one day they remake the remake and make it terrifying again so that will be you know the fact that norman bates has not been commercialized can definitely play into uh, making him scary again if they do remake the remake and if they remake the remake it has to be something special because that is a statement when you tackle another go around and go back to the drawing board after the remake is bad that is a statement to say listen uh your shit shouldn't have happened in the first place we're going to show you what you should have done but there are times and i won't mention it now but there are times when that has failed but moving on i don't want to spend too much time on mr bates here moving on um should have actually been my number three, but this is my number two because I got happy feet. Michael Myers, of course, from the Halloween series. That's my man. Favorite slasher of all time. Favorite slasher series of all time. Second favorite movie. 
of all time. We all know that. I say that shit enough on the podcast. But uh, Michael here has had how many? 11 films with two on the way. Those two being Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. I hope those movies are fucking amazing. Um, Let's talk about how Michael started off. Michael definitely uh, came in the game swinging. Came in swinging for the fence home running the ninth inning type shit. He started off creepy. He started off uh, enduring, terrifying. Anything you can think of, Michael Myers was that. He was that phantom-like character who was in the shadows, who was hiding behind a tree, who was creeping around in your backyard, who was in the back seat and you didn't see him, who's coming to get you while you're hiding in the closet. Literally the epitome of the boogeyman. And they did a really good job doing that. Now, Oh man, this is this is this is kind of going to hurt like the farther and farther along I go on, but I promise I will get to the point. I sure will. Um what did Michael become? Now, we went from a guy who was kind of just hard to kill, um hard to put down in the first movie, then we went to a guy who survived six shots, a, a sewing needle to the, the the juggler, um a knife to the stomach, you know what I'm saying? Like a a, a hanger to the eye. Then you then you turn him into this guy who kind of looks like he's very much possessed by the evil that Dr. Loomis is talking about. And he survives gunshots to the face. He survives five gunshots to the body again. Um, then we get supernatural pumped up Michael. He became, um, you know, a, a basically a drone for the thorn cult. We, we, they took it there. We've become, uh, Michael has become, uh, you know, a scream like character, you know, the jump scare version of Michael. He's become a gimmick for a reality TV show. He's went on to become a brute, one of the most brutal and vicious versions of Michael Myers we have ever seen on screen, probably since part six. Then we went ultimately back to classic Michael, which I think a lot of people appreciate it. I can appreciate it, but I was kind of spoiled with the way Rob Zombie portrayed Michael Myers. Like I, I love Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. I know a lot of people disagree with me. Most of the people on planet Earth disagree with me about that. It's about four of us in the minority that love, excuse me, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. So, but I didn't really, it didn't bother me so much that they went back to classic Michael in 2018. But that's basically what he became, man. Michael has had so many different variations of who he was while still trying to maintain the, the boogeyman aspect and the aspect of who he originally was. Now, I asked the question, of course, I'm going to answer it, but uh, was Michael Myers commercialized? And I say kind of, but luckily not so much. And I, I'm going to explain what I mean by that. I say kind of because we didn't really commercialize Michael Myers until Halloween H2O. Now, granted, Dimension Films had already had the rights to the Halloween series and Halloween 6, which came out in 95. Then I guess they kind of went back to the drawing board, not even kind of, but they went back to the drawing board in 1998 and they did Halloween H2O, which discarded everything after Halloween 2. And it kind of brought the series back to its quote unquote roots again. Um, how Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer and that kind of shit was a part of the roots. I, you know, I don't know, but that is when Michael was commercialized. You got fucking Dawson's Creek actors in a Halloween movie, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, but you just got the likes of everything that screams scream and i know what you did last summer you even had kevin williamson write it nothing against kevin williamson the guy's a fucking uh pen and pad inspiration for me as a writer but in 98 that's when michael you know they commercialized him and i think they took it a step further in 2002 
should have came out in 2001 with Halloween Resurrection. You know, they tried to capitalize off the whole reality TV shit. You get Busta Rhymes in there. You get a super teeny cast, uh, not Dawson's Creek per se, but you get fucking Sean Patrick Thomas from Save the Last Dance. You get Thomas Ian Nicholas from American Pie. I'm just like, like, I don't... If y'all want to know how I feel about Halloween Resurrection, y'all see my head almost exploded just now, right? If, if y'all want to know how I feel about that, there's an episode I did where it's, you know, it's talking about my hatred for Halloween Resurrection. Y'all can check that out because I'm not going to I'm not going to dive off the deep end with that movie because I know I will do it. But um, yeah, Michael Myers had definitely become, uh, you know, kind of commercialized. They tried it. They tried it. But I think they saw like this guy is no Freddy Krueger. We don't want to. We don't want to make him that that mainstream, you know, H2O in their case, it was a success. It was a success. But Halloween H2O was just such a flop. I mean, the movie made money, but in my eyes, it's a fucking cinematic flop in history. But um, I think when they went back to the drawing board with rebooting the series with the Rob Zombie movies, that's when they're like, OK, we can't really commercialize this for kids or or anything like that. Sure, you're going to have a bunch of a uh, couple toys here and there, but it's not like for younger younger kids to just play with them you know what i'm saying like these are some type of rob zombie halloween toys that you would just keep in the the package and never take them out so um i actually this is one of the reasons why i respect rob zombie uh for brutalizing michael how he did on screen and i think that with halloween 2018 halloween kills and um halloween ends i do not think michael's going to be commercialized in those you know um it is a different time in era now and you do have david gordon green and uh danny mcbride on the ones and twos of those things but i think that even with the commercialized success that they have outside of the halloween series i don't really think they're going to apply too much of that to um to the series like because i think they want michael myers to be brutal to be terrifying all over again and i feel like once you strip that away from him or any other slasher then that's when it's fair game for them not to be taken seriously anymore but you know luckily that didn't happen you know michael myers is very much taken seriously by the last movie uh number three like i said which should have been number two because i'm kind of going in like time frame order here leatherface from the texas chainsaw massacre now my boy whether you want to call him uh, Jedediah Sawyer, Thomas Hewitt, whatever the fuck they really want his name to be, Bubba Jr., he's been called all kinds of things in these movies, man, uh, he's been called Cuz, shout out to Alexandra Daddario, I love her, but she delivered one of the worst lines, called another face Cuz, we don't have to talk about that, I did a commentary on that, also, Text Chainsaw 3D, if y'all want to check that out, but um, Leatherface, my boy here, that nasty son of a bitch that he is, he's had about eight movies and counting with one reboot in the works. Not reboot, but um, direct sequel to the 1974 classic. Now, Leatherface started off just insane, batshit insane, relentless, just morbid, cannibalistic, uh, childlike. Yes, very childlike uh, in his persona uh animalistic even you know because he squeals that sound that you hear him make in the original movie before he kills kurt in the doorway with the with that um you know that sledgehammer that's him squealing you know you you think it's a pig in the back room somewhere <clears throat> excuse me or some type of animal but that is leatherface making that sound he squeals when he's like excited about something but um yeah man safe to say he started off he came in the game you know, swinging for defense as he should have. 1974 was a good time for film. It, it was a good time for a movie like that to live on and forever. 
just be uh, embedded in our brains, man, in horror. Um, now let's. T- <laughs> Boy, this is a roller coaster we about to jump on right now. Almost as much as a roller coaster as um what I just said about Michael Myers, as far as what he became. Let's talk about what my man Leatherface became. Whoo, man, this guy. If anything, I could think of he became dysfunctional not just character wise but the fucking series in in general um i'm sorry man he became a bitch he did you know uh you you you're fighting for not fighting for love but you 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 fall in love and you try to dry hump the chick uh, caroline williams with a chainsaw i just, why would you even do that i don't know he he became goofy text chainsaw massacre 2 i know a lot of people love it i don't like it as much as i love part 3 but um it, it was just a goofy movie, you know, and I, I think what the thing Toby Hooper, God rest his soul, said he wanted to do was he said a lot of the humor people didn't really get in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1. So he said he wanted to take that and put it in spades for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. I think it was a bad idea. I think it made for a good character in Chop Top played by Bill Mosley. But as far as Leatherface, I could not take him seriously at all. The movie's goofy as fuck. Um we went from uh, that to Leatherface being an absolute gimmick, you know, uh, and whether people want to incorporate that with, um, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the, the the next generation or Texas Chainsaw 3D. I would say more of 3D because, you know, don't if you're going to make a 3D movie, take notes on how to do it by watching Friday the 13th part three. You know, if you're going to do one of the big slashes, because that movie, yes, there are 3D gimmicks in it, but it is very much in the essence of the first two movies and a very solid follow-up to um, Friday the 13th part two. Three is actually one of the best in the series, and they didn't downplay Jason or anything. They didn't even give him a moment like they did in the previous movie where he kind of questions, you know, what's going on, what he's doing, and has that, you know, moment where he's talking to mother in his head or some shit. They didn't have a moment like that. He was, it was just run and gun. I need to slaughter all these kids. But with Leatherface, I feel like they really turned him into a gimmick. You know, they turned him into this sympathetic ass character, man. You don't do that with a character who runs around with a chainsaw, with a sledgehammer, and murders you, chops you up, and eats you at at Dinden with his family you don't make that character sympathetic there is no cousin or not now I think I said this when I first saw that movie I said the only thing I would do differently at the end of this movie is like listen I would tell Leatherface if you were my cousin listen you are my protector now I don't have a chainsaw and all of these uh you know uh, uh I don't have none of this none of these uh these weapons all right and we live in this big ass house now so anybody that you know i don't give a shit if it's pico and we're behind on the bill you kill them and you put them in the basement i don't want to eat them but you just got to handle business around here yeah you can kind of do that but to have leatherface walking off uh with alexander daddario at the end you know him getting uh the shit kicked out of him by the the, the redneck towns people and, you know, uh, Alexandra Dario comes to save him. And she's like, do your thing, cuz. Like, I do not want to fucking sympathize with this guy. He has slaughtered how many people? Like cattle. Literally like cattle. There's no way in hell that you can uh, even begin to sympathize with a character like that. It's just, no, I don't give a shit if he went to jail for many, many, many years. I just don't. I don't see it. But what if, what did, um... You know, what did, how did he end up? Leatherface ended up dysfunctional. You know, like I said, uh, 
character wise and franchise wise we don't know what this fucking character is anymore we don't know what type of um you know we don't know what type and i'm sorry i i actually left something out the leatherface prequel to the 1974 movie where he is the most sympathetic he's ever been because he's just this guy named Jackson, basically. Jackson Sawyer, I think his name is. I don't fucking know what this guy's name is. That movie really bamboozled me, but it's like, you mean to tell me that this sympathetic-ass, warm, fuzzy-hearted kid turned into this guy that we saw in the 1974 movie just by getting his face fucked up and all this other stuff that his family manipulated him with? No, I'm not buying it at all, man, but... Like I said, the character and the series became dysfunctional because we don't know what type of Leatherface we're going to get. Yeah, you could try to make it scary, but I don't trust the series anymore to, um, as far as I could throw them because I'll take it seriously. And they'll throw in that moment where it's just like somebody will pat Leatherface's head and maybe he'll start like whining like a dog or something and just and just want his stomach rubbed or some stupid shit like that. But but I went on a little mini rant right there. Was Leatherface commercialized? hell to the no now this is the same thing with like i said with norman bates but it's a lot worse you cannot commercialize a guy who cuts people's faces off wears them stitches them together first of all and wears them on his own face because his own face is fucked up and after he's done he chops them all up and he makes them for stir fry for dinner with his family you are not commercializing that guy you can put it on robot chicken or whatever other claymation spoof things you want to do but it ain't no way kids are in the store like parents are going to let their kids go mommy daddy i want that leather face teddy bear like no we're not doing that they are not going to commercialize Leatherface. Now, if they do, it is going to be a hard feat. That's a hard character to commercialize. I mean, yes, he's been silly before, but to make it mainstream, nah, man. That's one of the things I can kind of appreciate about the character of Leatherface is that while he has one of the most dysfunctional franchises in horror history, um, people are still like whether it's goofy moments in it or not people are still like that's a motherfucker wearing somebody else's face with chainsaw i don't want no parts of that i know people that can't even get into those movies and i'm like well if you just watch the first one you know you don't have to watch the second one you can skip over to the third one after the first one you can watch the remakes and some people are just like no i can't get down with it but um that actually works in his favor it does because you know you you can't commercialize leatherface man i don't care what anybody says now on the other hand got my boy the rock star, the man, the myth, the Camp Crystal Lake woodsman killer, Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th. Now, Jason has had 12 movies, 12, including Freddy vs. Jason. Yes, it's a hybrid film, but it's very much a Jason movie, even though it's more of a Freddy movie. You know, I just had that conversation with somebody and somebody pointed out something really good to me. And they said, um, you know, the filmmakers handled freddy krueger very well but it just seemed like jason was an afterthought and man who i can't remember who said it i'm sorry but shout out to you because i couldn't have said it better my fucking self man but anyway that's neither here nor there jason has had 12 films the 13th man it'd be nice if we can get that i feel like that'll be special the number alone man like get this lawsuit shit together man uh crystal lake entertainment victor miller whoever larry zerner y'all better figure this shit out man before we storm paramount platinum dunes and new line all that other shit whoever's got the, i don't know who's got the, who knows where jason's gonna end up man like i said jason's in foster care right now but 
Good old J-Boy, man. He started out, Jason started out, I mean, for me personally, Jason started out scary. He, we've had a lot of different variations of what Jason is, but it's, it's mainly, it's, it's kind of like evolution in a way, um, for lack of a better word, man. And whether people enjoy the sequels and what they did with Jason or not, he is the only character really to evolve, you know, for better or worse. And I say that because Jason started out scary. Yeah, he wasn't in the first movie, but he definitely had the best jump scare in the entire movie. So, yeah, he's scary as a kid jumping out of the water, looking like anybody you'd see at Kensington and Allegheny in Philly today. But he became brutal after that. Jason became a woodsman after that, you know, uh, basically parts, you know, uh, two, three, four. Jason was in them woods. They did not belong to those kids. And Jason will fuck you up and find you on whatever perimeter coordinate of Crystal Lake he can find you on. You are not safe anywhere. Um, then, of course, after that, Jason became a zombie in part six. He went in zombie mode. I actually like zombie Jason. Part six is one of my favorite. It is it is my favorite uh, entry in a whole Friday 13 part series. Jason lives is when Jason became zombie. And there's that moment where you know, he realizes he's become zombie and he realizes that he knows he doesn't know his own strength because he he kind of um he, he, he throws this guy into a tree, but he rips his fucking arm off along with it. And he's got the machete, of course, but he looks at the guy's arm like for real, like I didn't even I didn't even I just tapped him basically. But I like zombie Jason. Zombie Jason also was in, you know, part seven, part eight. Uh Part eight, even though it is a guilty pleasure for me, it's not a good movie, but it's a guilty pleasure because it has one of the best scenes in a movie. Jason did become a punching bag, man. He started getting fucked up a lot and he does get fucked up in the earlier movies. But I think in part seven, because we saw Tina do her telekinesis thing and she's fucking up Jason with like rooftops, caving houses on him, um, sending him flying through floors you know, uh, tree branches, electricity, couches, severed head. She's fucking him up with everything. So that kind of carried on into part eight where Jason literally, it, it is the best scene, one of the best scenes in the series where VC Dupree playing Julius is, you know, punching the shit out of Jason before Jason knocks his head off. But Jason becomes a punching bag. Like it is kind of weird. You know, why did he let that guy, you know, just give him the business like that until he took that one swing? I don't know if it was like, yo, I respect your gangster. So I'm gonna see what you got. I know it's not going to be enough, but I, I don't know what that what that aspect was all about. But Jason did, to say the least, become a punching bag. You know what I'm saying? He's become a fucking demon. Uh, and Jason goes to hell. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into that movie. I'll save that movie. That'll be an episode that's as interesting as and as rant worthy as my Halloween resurrection episode. Uh, but yeah, Jason became a demon and supposedly he was a fucking deadite from Evil Dead. Uh, that is just a testament to the fact that Adam Marcus is just pulling ideas out of his ass and he doesn't know what he's talking about. But um, after he, Jason became a demon, he was a fucking robot. You know, he was space bound. He became Uber Jason, bulletproof, you know, uh, damn near atmosphere proof when he's flying through space and shit at the end. Um, and then he ultimately went back to being a woodsman. Um. You know what? Let me say something. I got to say this. Jason also as like Leatherface and no disrespect to my man J-Boy, but Jason was also a bitch at some point in the series, guys. Let's keep it a bean. If anybody has seen Freddy versus Jason, which you have, and if you haven't, spoiler alert, in the dream sequence, 
Freddy's Jay, you know, Freddy finds out Jason's scared of water and people try to make sense of this to me all the time. And I'm not buying it. I call bullshit. Jason has been in water in parts four underwater, actually committing murders in parts four in part six in part seven in part eight. This motherfucker swam from the Lazarus cruise ship to Manhattan in New York. Don't tell me Jason's afraid of fucking water, man. I'm not, and people are just like, oh, well, this is subconscious in his dreams. And in his dreams, he's afraid of water. It's like, fuck that shit. I can't swim in real life. I'm afraid of water. And even in my dreams, I don't go anywhere near the shit. If I have a dream that I'm drowning or about to, I wake myself up. Yeah, that's my dream warrior's uh, superpower, by the way. I can wake myself up. But yeah, Jason was a bitch in uh, Freddy vs. Jason, man. He didn't have any balls at all. I give him, he, he had a mean swing with that machete. But I don't like Ken Kurzinger's portrayal as Jason. I don't like what they did with him. But um, he ultimately went back to being a woodsman in the, the 2009 remake, which I like. I like that they said, okay, Jason's been in space. This motherfucker's been to New York. This motherfucker's been uh, 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 affiliated with the Necronomicon. He's been to hell. He's been fighting Freddy. He's been through a lot. Let's make him intimidatingly scary again. You know, shout out to Derek Mears, man, because uh, the shit that he brought to that role, you know, he really made it seem like Jason was like really living off the land, really was hunting these kids down. His movements, everything, his intimidation factor, his um, his height, his size, just to, just his whole portrayal as Jason was all that. So I'm glad that they went back to that so it could take it. um you could take it seriously he ended up being back to the intimidation mode but was my man jason Voorhees here was he commercialized yes he was yes he was unfortunately he was because it got to a point where as violent and brutal as these friday 13th movies can get it got to a point where we stopped going to see friday the 13th movies to see the final girl or to see how the characters are going to interact. We started watching these movies to see Jason kill people in different ways. That is what the series became. And that's what the series capitalized on was Jason becoming this fucking rock star, this undead rock star. And, um, just doing these insanely creative kills, man, with whatever he could find, whether it was his hands, whether it was a spear gun, whether it was a pitchfork, whether it was a fucking machete, whatever it was, we that's what we were going for, man. Like, I can't wait to see what Jason kills people with in this movie. That's that's what it became. And I feel like when Jason went to Manhattan, um, that was definitely commercializing the series. Um I think if they would have done it now, it would have been way worse. But I think 89 was probably the time to do it. But unfortunately, they didn't have that in their budget. So they couldn't shoot a lot of New York shit. But I do feel like that was um, that was when they definitely commercialized Jason. It would have been in 88 when they did the New Blood Part 7. Because that was when they were supposed to do Freddy versus Jason. But, you know, they couldn't come to terms. The, the studios couldn't come to an agreement. So they went with telekinesis tina in the new blood and all that shit but they definitely made it commercial with jason takes manhattan and you know they made it commercial and almost a mockery of the series when they did jason x also because while the movie does have brutal moments in it it's goofy as shit it's silly as fuck and is probably as bad as the movie is it's the most enjoyable 
And that's not something you really want to incorporate with a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah, you want to enjoy the movie, but you don't want it again. I say again, you don't want to go come out of a movie like, oh my God, man, I had so much fun watching this movie, man. That part was so cool. It was so tubular and all this. No, I want to be like, damn, that one part scared the shit out of me, man. But it's like you take, once you take a character in the space, you know, it's, it, you go off a of broke at that point. I feel like that, that's one of the reasons I'm glad a lot of the other slashers you don't do that when you do that there is no coming back you either have to go back to the drawing board after that or you better be ready for the series to just be futuristic from here on out so you better have some brass cojones to take your fucking slasher into space but you know um who knows what's going to happen where what we will see from jason um for me personally i do think we're going to see a commercialized jason when the rights and all that shit is over with because i feel like all parties involved have um or all parties involved that are waiting are of different generations. You know, you've got the generation that's older than me that were around, like when the movies came out, when the, when the earlier movies came out in the theater, you got my generation who, when we were kids, we grew up on the VHS tapes. You got the generation after that who are very much familiar with it, you know, like the Freddy versus Jason, the remake, stuff like that. And then you got the kids who just know this guy in a hockey mask. I mean, not so much for the kids, but there are different generations of people waiting for it. So I feel like when that happens, you have to please all of these all of these audiences man and i don't think they're gonna i'm not sure man i'm going out on a limb here but i don't think the next friday 13th movie is going to go as dark as they did as serious toned as they did for the 2009 remake i don't know i'm just you know knock on wood hopefully they do go dark but i don't really see it happening because it is a different era man i feel like different slashers are going to be affected by this this generational curse if you will god damn speaking of which people that are just affected by it victims of the fame man that limelight i ain't built for them bright lights this guy is though man number five fred freddy krueger from a nightmare on elm street man we we know where i'm going with this if if you a real if you understand the basis of what i'm talking about here and commercializing slashers you know where i'm about to go with this you know where it's going to end up some people know excuse me some people know where i'm going with this but my boy here has had, let's see, nine films. You've had, you've had parts one, two, three, four, five. You've had, uh, what's that one called? Freddy's Dead. You've had New Nightmare. You've had Freddy vs. Jason. And you've had the remake, unfortunately, that remake. But um, Freddy started off unique. That is the word I'm going to use right now. Freddy started off unique. We did not, in 1984, we had not seen and rest in peace shout out big recipe shout out to Wes Craven for even crafting something of this caliber in 1984 we th nobody expected this we were used to the flesh and blood slashers who may or may not be hard hard to kill um you know just the the guys that were regular you know if it was a monster it was a monster if it was a regu regular flesh and blood killer then that's what it was we did not expect to see a slasher with a signature weapon that he made himself um be killing kids teenagers in their dreams you know not even just a child murderer at that who had a fucked up backstory man one of the worst fucking backstories of all the slashers man like the bastard son of a hundred maniacs um you know the, the hundred maniacs raped his mom who was a nun amanda krueger in weston hills uh you know insane asylum or whatever the fuck i think i'm pretty sure it was in weston hills where she was raped i'm not sure but 
yeah, it's just fucked up, man. And you grew up just to be the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. The Springwood Slasher is what they called him. Uh, just a child murderer, man. God damn, that is, that's heavy, man. If you look back on Freddy's backstory, it's like Robert England said, Freddy's a junkyard dog. But he started off unique and scary, man. Like the first Nightmare on Elm Street is, it is scary. It still has its moments. Um, no matter what happened in the series after that, the first one always, always will stand alone. It always will stand alone. And what Freddy became after that, uh, he became a lot darker in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. And a lot of people don't like this movie. And I I, I get why. You know, they, they, they took a lot of liberties and they X'd out a lot of shit that made the character as unique as it was and made the storyline and the characters involved as unique as they were. But I like the dark version of Freddy. That was the last time up at least until when the remake came out that Freddy was scary and intimidating. You know, they did a really dark version of Freddy in that movie where he's possessing uh, Mark Patton's character, Jesse. But then in Dream Warriors is my favorite sequel to make no mistake. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors is my favorite sequel in the entire series. But Freddy became a lot more talkative in that movie, a lot more talkative than he was in part two, which was a big concern because I'm like, OK, he, he's is he getting a little more comfortable with his victims? Is he more comfortable in the dream realm? Is he, you know, who who's he's been talking to? Where you been spending your nights? Like the guy says in fucking Batman 89. But he became a lot more talkative. And while he became talkative, <sighs> Not so much in part three, but part four, Freddy became a full-blown fucking George Carlin comedian. That is exactly what Freddy became. The one-liners came flooding in, everything. And y'all know this happened. It happened a little bit in part three, but not as much because he was still like a threat. Now in part four, you know, of course he's a threat because you got to sleep. You can't resist sleep. But, you know, I would be more so worried about... All right, how much of a window do I have to run the fuck off in the dream realm while he's cracking jokes and one-liners and shit? Like, that's the type tip I was on in Nightmares 4, 5, and 6. 5, they kind of tried to make him dark again, but it was it was too late at that point. You can't go from, um, you know, somebody called Freddy, uh, uh, one of the Fangoria guys, I think his name was Anthony Timpone. He called, called Freddy the Penny Youngman of the Slashers. Like, you're just a straight-up comedian at this. I can't take you seriously in part five right after that. You know, crack some jokes. I'm ready for you to be funny. I'm ready for you to tell jokes. So that's what I'm expecting. Then, I know a lot of people hate Freddy's Dead. I love Freddy's Dead because they embraced it. You know, while I was mad that he's no longer a threat, no longer scary, I'm glad that they embraced what Freddy actually had turned into. He, That's what he ultimately became, was a super comedian, man. Um, but... You know, what he ended up being was a little too dark and less respected. Uh, and that's with the remake. The remake, you know, I don't mind Jackie Earl Haley's performance as Freddy at all. Not a bunch of one-liners. The intimidation factor was there. I dug the way that his makeup looked. The CG, the scenes where it was like super CG'd up, not so much. But I like that they tried to genuinely make him look like a burn victim. If you go back to the first movie, it's like, yeah, for 84, you could say, oh, somebody's face is burnt up. But the more and more you watch the movies, it's like, he really is pizza face, you know, and the makeup kind of gets worse as the movies go along. The last really solid makeup they had for Freddy that was really, really solid was Nightmare on Elm Street 2 up until, um, you know, up until um, the remake had came along. 
because like I said, man, uh, minus the CG, super CG moments, I do like the way they made him look. And, you know, even his lips look like that of a burn victim. If you research that type of shit online, like I used to watch a lot of band from TV, um, a lot of shit I wasn't supposed to watch on VHS back in the day. So I know what burn victims and shit like that looks like. But um, yeah, man, he ended up being too dark because a lot of people were just like, well, where's first of all, people were, you know, the purists and the fanboys. I get it, man. Robert England is Freddy Krueger. I understand, yo. Trust me, I get it. But I'm all for things, you know, changing up and somebody else taking, a, you know, taking another swing up at the plate. I'm cool with that. And Jackie Earl Haley, I don't blame him one bit for the shit that that movie got and the shit that that movie received at the box office and just, you know, just nationally. I'm, I don't, I'm not mad at him about that at all. It wasn't his fault. He had a shitty director. He had a shitty script and the acting he had surrounding him was not great, but, um, it was, it was really less respected because they're like, listen, if you're, if you're going to bring it, at least be as good as Robert England. And people had to understand, man. Um, and I always, I always, even though I don't like that remake, I hate that remake. Um, but I don't hate Jackie R. Haley's performance. I just feel like they fell short with a lot of the creative, create creativity and the things they could have, you know, the, the advantages they could have took as far as the dream realm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot more things they could have done with that movie. But, um, he wasn't respected because, you know, people are just like, you know, be better than Robert England. But people have to understand that that's not what they were going for. They weren't going for that, you know, that dream demon comedian, uh, light, not light. Well, for lack of a better word, lighthearted type of character, um, you know, arc. Uh, as far as his humor goes, I say lighthearted as far as his humor goes. Nobody get mad at me out there, but they were going for something completely different. And he wasn't even a child murderer in that movie. He was a child molester. So they went super dark in that movie but was freddy commercialized overall fuck yeah he was freddy had tv shows lunch boxes toys all kinds of shit the 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 crowds for these movies man there were probably kids in these crowds more so than any than for like friday the 13th or for texas chainsaw Massacre, or halloween like Kids loved Freddy and their parents loved Freddy. It's like, God damn, Freddy is probably the most commercialized and rightfully fucking so. You know, by the time Dream Warriors and Dream Master came along, the popularity for Freddy Krueger and the Nightmare on Elm Street series had been so insane that this is basically what they signed up for all along. If this was the direction y'all wanted to go in, then y'all earned all that commercialization and you know more power to y'all i just can't take freddie you know seriously you know i i really never could he's he's one of i mean as far as the other slashers creep factors and scare factors go freddie's somewhere at the towards the bottom you know michael's first then jason then like Candyman, leatherface stuff like that but freddie is not you know of course you can't resist sleep i you know freddie does some fucked up things to those people in those dreams but I, I'm just waiting for him to crack jokes, man. So hopefully, who knows, man? But you know, they're pitching a whole bunch of ideas to, um, you know, uh, Wes Craven's estate, his family, and all of that stuff. So we'll see what we come up with, man. Personally, for me, I want a remake of the Dream Warriors, and if not, then just remake the remake. And please don't get Samuel Bayer to fucking direct it, of all people. Please, man. That's all I'm asking. Now, before I wrap this up, I do have a six man off the bench, and this. <laughs> This shit here, man. I don't even know why I fuck I put this on the list. This is this was destined. This was destiny. This was fate. This was fate. This shit was always destined 
to be silly, to get silly as fuck. Regardless of what y'all went for in the first one, if y'all wanted to make sequels, it's gonna get stupid. This shit was inevitable, yo. It's like Thanos with the gauntlet, man. Dig what I'm saying. Charles Livre, aka Chucky, from the Child's Play series. Y'all know where I'm going with this. If y'all didn't know where I was going before with like Freddy and shit like that, y'all know where I'm going with this. My man Chucky here has had eight films, including the remake, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there's a TV show in development, a bunch of fan films and all that good stuff. TV show I'm not so sure about. Uh, sci-fi picking it up is a red flag, but Don Mancini, Brad Dorf, Jennifer Tilly, um, I think Fiona Dorf being a part of it also. Um, I, um, I, I hope the show does well. Uh, but Chucky started off the first, let's be real. The first Child's Way movie is creepy. It's creepy to me. It's not scary, but it is creepy as shit. The music, you know, just the score alone is, is awesome. And it's creepy, but there are scenes where Chucky's literally not doing shit. And then he'll just disappear. And then it's like, you know, all the movies like Annabelle and Brom, the boy and the girl and the John and the bull, all those fucking doll movies, those lame ass subgenre doll supernatural movies. Take notes from the first Child's Play. None of the other Child's Play movies, the first one and maybe Curse of Chucky. Take notes from those two movies in particular as far as what you want to do to make a doll creepy because uh, those two movies did it. But while Chucky was creepy in the first movie, it still was a joke. Like, let's be the fuck serious, man. For the people that hated the remake, and I was one of those people that hated the idea of it, but I did a complete 1080, and I ended up loving the the remake. I really did. But let's be the fuck serious for a second, man. It's a fucking doll. It's a fucking doll. This was destined to get silly at some point, man. Seriously, it was still a joke, even though he was creepy in the first movie. So with that being said, what did Chucky become? He became a fucking comedian. Uh, not even in the first movie, in the second movie. Chucky has more lines. Chucky has more jokes. Chucky has more interaction with the victims. I mean, it may be brief, but he has more interaction with the victims. He has a fucking squirt gun to that guy's neck in the in the back seat in Child's Play 2. Like, come on, man. He became a full-blown comedian. Then when you hit Bride of Chucky, you know... You had parts two, three, then you hit Bride of Chucky, which came out in 98, which was directed by Ronnie Yu, who did Freddy vs. Jason. Go figure. Um, you give Chucky a bride. Uh, Jennifer Tilly turns into a doll. You have this this road trip doll slasher comedy movie. See the Chucky? We don't even have to go there. We don't have to go there. This shit went off the rails, yo. But I respect Don Mancini for never leaving this franchise's side man i respect him so much for sticking that sticking with this character sticking with this storyline and just going batshit crazy with his own you know this is his so he can do whatever he wants with it i can see if other people took liberties and fucked up his property but this is his shit so he can do whatever he want with it don mancini has always been attached to these movies he didn't really start directing until um was it Seed of Chucky was the first one he directed. And funny enough, that's the worst in the series for me. I, I, I'll never understand it for the life of me, man. For the life of me. Um, but Chucky went from being a comedian to being serious again, then being a comedian again and culted Chucky. Then we got killer AI Chucky, you know, artificial intelligence in the remake, which I didn't mind at all. It's, if you're going to modernize something, um, do it that way, you know, because we got things like... Um, 
Google and Siri and these all these devices you talk to that are connected to all these other electronic devices that can ultimately, you know, end up doing damage on people on some Terminator Rise of the Machines or iRobot shit. Who knows? But that's ultimately what Chucky became. That's where we left him off at. Um, I don't know what the sequel plans are, so I don't know where it's going to go from there. But you kind of could take the killer AI Chucky a little more seriously, a lot more seriously than the previous ones. Um, but was Chucky commercialized? He was always destined to be commercialized. It's a f listen, man. Dolls were already in commercials as is, man. As is. That was the whole ploy behind doing a child the child's play movie. It was like that was the social relevance behind it was like not necessarily consumerism, but just these these uh these big boom of of of, of pieces of merchandise that people were going crazy over people like you know like look at when the cabbage patch kids came out and shit like that people were running each other the fuck over in malls and stores and stuff like that to get their hands on these dolls man so that was kind of the 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 underlying theme of the movie commercializing shit and people just acting crazy over it. chucky and this series has been destined to be silly from day one. Am I cool with that? Sure. That's what I'm used to now. That's what I'm used to. And I, you know, I hate when people, you know, they say, oh, well, the first, the, the remake's silly and it's stupid. Yes, it's funny moments in it because all this shit's stupid. It's all a comedy. It's a fucking killer doll. Like, you know, you can, you can not like the remake. That's fine. But I don't like when they, when people try to tell me the first one wasn't silly because it's a fucking killer doll man like we have to be completely honest about this man but you know to wrap things up and to move on there are people that didn't make the cut uh here which were pinhead Candyman, leprechaun wishmaster ben willis victor crowley people that have either like you know three movies or more i'd say and um the only one commercialized here probably i would want to say is leprechaun um, cause that was always destined to be stupid as shit. Even though I do like the first movie, um, the fourth and the fifth, like Leprechaun and Space and the Hood are definitely guilty, pre guilty pleasures for me. I could watch it drunk, blazed, whatever. Um, I also actually really dug for some reason, um, Leprechaun Returns and the re and the prequel, Leprechaun Origins or the remake, whatever the hell they did. And I know a lot of people didn't like that, but I appreciate it because it was it's the most serious toned film, even though it is not a speaking Leprechaun. It is not Warwick Davis. It's that dude Hornswoggle, whatever that wrestler's name is. But it's a monster movie. And I'm all for a guy in a suit, practical effects, pra practical gore, all that shit. I'm all for it. So I could actually take Leprechaun Origins seriously. Um, you know, I got y'all know I got black sheep opinions, man. I don't give a shit, but uh leprechaun is probably you know lucky charms and shit you know you can he was always going to be commercialized as is you can't take him seriously at all pinhead on the other hand Candyman, wishmaster victor crowley ben willis you are not commercializing them you're not doing it ben willis maybe because you know i know what you did last summer you know kevin williamson influence the scream influence all that type stuff yeah but i think i still know what you did last summer kind of fucked that up because it was really brutal it was really violent it was gritty as hell um had a lot of color in it lots and lots of color which i know a lot of people low-key hated i ain't even gonna jump into that but i love that i uh you know i still know what you did last summer I had brandy mckay pfeiffer bill cobbs you know we had we had some color in there but 
all the rest of them. You're not commercializing Pinhead, Candyman, Victor Crowley. You're not because that is just uh, it's another level of torture that people aren't ready to, you know, uh, like mainstream merchandise and have these Victor Crowley. You know, we're not going to have Victor Crowley hatchet cereal. We're not going to have a um, Candyman cereal and shit that comes with a little mini mirror. Kids can say Candyman and while they're eating breakfast and everybody just be murdered at the breakfast at the, at the, at the table in the, in the, you know, in the morning. We're not doing that. They're not doing that. Pinhead. Pinhead is probably the last of any slasher on earth that will be that will really be commercialized. I don't care. They could take him to space. They could take him to uh, the candy shop. They could take him wherever the fuck they want to take him. It is not happening, man. That dude that uh, Hellraiser was actually going to be called sadomasochist uh, something sadomasochist from beyond the grave. Yeah. Yeah. Let that sink in for a second. That's what that's what they were going to call that. That shit's not happening. Not for him anyway. But um. You know, uh, um, in closing, I just want to say or ask the question and answer it probably. Can these slashers that I said have become commercialized or borderline commercialized? Can they become scary again? 100% scary again, like they were intended to be. Um, I think so. I really think so. I think every slasher that, with the exception of Chucky, I feel like Every single slasher I mentioned has the potential and has the balls to be 100% scary again. It's all about execution, man. It's all about how you write the treatment, how you direct it, how you execute it, the acting, like the portrayals, everything. There, It's a make or break thing. If you fuck up your slasher in a movie, nothing else works around it. I don't care what cast you have around these slashers we are coming to see these people now the cast is a bonus the cast is definitely a bonus um you know but when you when you mess up the slashers you mess up the entire movie because that's what you're capitalizing on is that slasher that single character everything else is a bonus man i don't care that's just my opinion um also i i want to say this man stop we have to stop selling out slashers we have to stop selling our selling out our slashers and making them gimmicks stop making them funny stop making them trendy for the sake of fucking youtube views and instagram likes and shit like that man i you don't have to get with the times and have michael myers doing the nay nay or have jason Voorhees doing the tide pod challenge actually that's something freddie would probably do and really make something really strange and fucked up out of it but you don't have to do all of that man you don't have to get with the times for example that is exactly what halloween h2o did that is what they did oh screams popping and i know what you did last summer fuck it we about to it's about to be a Scream Halloween uh, or Scream I Know What You Did Last Summer-esque movie right here. No, you don't have to do that, man. As long as you stay true to the integrity of what the what the character, what the storyline, what the uh what the movie was built on in the first place. I feel like I feel like it can always work, man. It can always work. Like I said, it's always about execution, man. But uh just stop stop commercializing our slashers, man. If you want it to be silly, then advertise it as silly, man. Advertise it as a good time. If you want it to be Halloween or Candyman, don't advertise it as scary and you know it and end up being something else because then you'll definitely have a fucking problem on your hands and you might never work in show business again they might laugh you out of their offices you know so i'm just i'm trying to help y'all man help help me help you all right and that's not to that's not to everybody that's not to shun any you know filmmakers or creators or anything like that you know i've never made a movie before what the fuck do i know other than this podcast and uh what i do know is it feels good to get some more content out to y'all man so 
y'all already know what it is, man. Follow the podcast. Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Podcast Breaker, and Radio Public. Shout out to Anchor. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Follow the Facebook movie group, The Cinemaniacs. Shout out, big shout out to The Cinemaniacs, man. I feel like I haven't been posting in there enough, but um, I see y'all, man. The ones that are in there, you posting your reviews, whether they be written, whether they be YouTube videos, man. I see y'all, man, and I have so much respect for y'all just getting... um getting y'all overall thoughts out to the people and to the maniacs, man. I, I love it, man. I'm, I love seeing the activity that y'all doing there, man. I really, really appreciate it. And lastly, but not least, shout out to the listeners, the tutor reviewers, the supporters, the lovers. Yo, man, I see I am still making my way to the Ocho, not making my way downtown, but to that 800 spins. And I've noticed y'all still have been tuning in, man. I have not even been putting content out there and people still have been tuning in you know, um, to the podcast episodes. I'm not sure which one I actually, I have to keep like a chart so that I know who listens to what, and then I can exit off and then write the new number of listens on there or something like that. Something along the lines, but I see y'all listening, man. I see the spins just creeping, creeping, creeping closer to the 800, man. And I really, really appreciate y'all, man, because it's a, it's a really fucked up time in the world right now. It's a super, super rough time in the world right now, man. And the fact that people still take the time out to, or, you know, I do the same thing. No matter what's going on, I take the time out to listen to you guys' reviews, podcasts, um, anything like that. Just to take my mind off things, just to take the edge off. But big shout out to y'all, man. That's just, it just goes to show what true, you know, supporters you guys are, man. And I love y'all and support y'all right back all the same, man. Make no mistake. And like I said, if, um, you know, if anybody wants me to listen to a podcast or wants me to review something, I actually have a bunch of movies or uh, topics that I didn't even make outlines for that people wanted me to watch or talk about uh, that I have to get off the ground. I will, man. I'm going to get back on my shit, people. I don't know why this whole quarantine cabin fever shit has taken a toll on me when I myself am you know, such an outcast introvert of a person, you know, this is nothing new to me. So I don't know why I haven't been banging out all these episodes for y'all. And I say this every time, man, and I really need to stick by my word and get, get, get back in the groove. Cause this feels good, man. This feels good. It's like jumping on a bike and, um, you know, learning how to ride again. That's actually a better analogy than the freaky ass analogy I used when this episode first started. See how I make everything come full circle, man. I'm trying to tell y'all. So that being said, people, shout out to the two the reviewers. And um, yeah, man, just keep showing the love and support, man. I will show it right back. Yours truly, Romero Tudor, people. Another episode of Tudor Reviews in the can. I'll check y'all on the next one.